Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. We're uh, on the second week of a series that we started and we're calling it Where's the Power? And this series uh, is going to go for a number of weeks, it's going to go until Mark Hankins shows up to do our impact. And so in a sense, I'm thinking like, you know, it's a good time for us as a church because we're going to concentrate on the power of God. And what I really desire to see is just we, us as a church that we go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And there is an increase in the presence and the power of God uh, in this place and that we just continue to go Glory to glory and faith to faith this year. So we'll, we'll, we'll be going that direction. And I just believe it's going to build every single week until we start our, our impact conference. So here's a scripture for this series. Uh, Psalm 62 and verse 11. It says, God has spoken plainly and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. And if we just isolated that verse, we would think, well, well power belongs to God. And we could even have the thought, does God give any of the power out? Does he share any of the power? And, and so that's why I think it's really important to remind ourselves, where is the power of God? Who does he share it with? And how can we have that power in our lives and also in church? Because we so much appreciate the power of God. And so uh, Friday night, we had four people get saved. We had a person get saved uh, earlier service. Somebody, uh, Friday night, one of our ministry team people, persons uh believe it was david prayed for a guy and and got his his, uh, neck was healed instantly healed so we have manifestations of god's power and goodness already going on and we're so thankful for it but i i just i'm a kind of a person that i like increase i just like increase you know god is a god of increase god's always increasing He, he always wants to increase us so i'm i'm thanking god for increase all the time so we're gonna look into this here's like a road map Last week we looked at resurrection power, so I kind of have it darkened out there. We're going to look at gospel power, but we're, this week we're going to be looking at forgiveness power, anointing power, love power, word power, joy power. Out of all the different powers there, this week uh, it, it could be uh, easy to get real theological this week. I'm going to do my best to keep this simple, because when we talk about gospel power, there's a lot of theology involved in that. So I'll do my best to keep it simple. As we're getting ready to go here, we want to start off with a quote today. So here's a quote. Uh, This is from T.L. Osborne. It says, you don't need more power, you need more gospel. Okay, so why did T.L. Osborne make that quote? And if you don't know who T.L. Osborne is, he, a great evangelist, he's gone home to be with the Lord he was a very powerful evangelist that drew thousands of people when he, when he went around the world preaching. Why did he make that quote? Well, I think the reason that he made it is because he heard his fellow Christians saying, I'll tell you what we need. We need more power. I'll tell you what we need around here. We need more power. And really, as Christians, it's easy for us to talk that way. I'll tell you what we need. We'd, you know, because sometimes we don't even know where the power is. And a lot of times God does things deep in our hearts and we don't even know some of the deep things going on in somebody's heart. So we can start talking because a lot of times we'll look at maybe 
what kind of manifestations are going on and based on a manifestation we'll say well there's power so like if somebody maybe uh, ran around the room and rolled on the floor and and got drunk in the holy spirit we would say well that's power but you know there can be things going on even more powerful than that in somebody's heart while they're sitting there being really quiet and so we want to just explore power and so we're not against somebody running around rolling and getting drunk i've done that many times you don't know me that way you know before i was a pastor you have no idea how wild your pastor was when he was in church i've done everything you should have done and not should have done in church in my 30 plus years but i don't know there's something they said this that you know the pastoral ministry is you know has dignity and the traveling ministry has urgency and so you know something happened when he became a pastor and i just got a lot more dignified but uh, you never know when mark kankin shows up my brother-in-law i could get a little i could be a wild guy you never know what's going to happen <laughs> so uh, but you know with pastoring it's it's a consistency and it's there's a dignity involved with pastoring and so that's kind of what happened to me so today we're going to look at this you know why did t.l osborne say that well here's why he said it uh here is the scripture romans chapter 1 in verse 16 it says for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god to salvation for everyone who believes for the jew first and also the greek so notice there it says the gospel of christ is the power of god all right so that's why t.l osborne said that because if somebody says well we need more power well t.l osborne said i'll tell you what you really need is you need more gospel because if you get more gospel, you got more power, okay? So we want to look into that today. So here's our roadmap for this morning. Uh, it, we're just going to look at three things. The definition of gospel, what can gospel power do, how to experience gospel power. So those are the three things we'll be looking at. So let's first of all start uh, with this, the definition of gospel. Really simple. You want to see it? A good message, good news. So I don't know if you ever looked it up, but that's what gospel means. Gospel means a good message, good news. All right, so let's say, we'll, we'll say this then. Here's a few statements we can make. Pointing people to their shortcomings is not the good news. Okay, so when, when you're wanting to share the gospel, especially with somebody that's not a Christian, pointing out what they do wrong has no power in it. That's not where the power is. There's power in the gospel, but it's not pointing your finger at somebody saying, you need to stop that, because if they're not a Christian, they can't stop it. And anybody here that, maybe some of you grew up in church, but us that have not grown up in church, we know clearly that we could not stop doing the things that we were doing without God being involved in our life. The only thing I did disciplined before I became a Christian was I, I was a weightlifter, a bodybuilder. And for some reason, I could discipline myself to build my body and i could discipline myself with a diet to eat the right food to be a bodybuilder but other than that man i was out of control my emotions were out of control i especially when it came to i could hardly read a book i could hardly read a couple paragraphs and pay attention before i got to know the lord i mean i was worthless as far as my brain goes so, I mean, I give all the glory to God that even now that I can read and understand and comprehend and those kind of things because I, I, I got D's and F's in school and was a failure in school. 
But Jesus came and he changed that. So, 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 so you know, every person might be able to discipline one area of their life, but, but not everyone is going to discipline all areas of their life without God. Okay, so to point your finger at somebody and say, stop doing that, that's wrong. A if you're not a Christian, you don't know it's wrong. Okay, so here's another statement. Pointing people to Jesus and his sacrificial work is the good news. So you don't want to get people's attention on themselves and point your finger at them and say, don't do that, it's wrong. What you want to do is get people's attentions on Jesus and everything Jesus did because as soon as that happens, that's where the power is. And as soon as we start doing that, God then can start, he'll take his word and he'll, by his Holy Spirit, he'll start doing something in somebody's heart. That's how that happens. God works with his word. God works with the gospel. Okay, he works with the gospel. So, um, you know, practical application uh, with us parents and uh, my, my other daughter, my younger daughter's driving them to the airport. They're not here, but with my daughters, you know, and I'm so thankful that my daughters have been such a blessing. But if I said this to my daughters, and I've done this many times, you know, can you please take the trash out to the bin? You know, like when the bag fills up, do, do your, does your mother and myself always have to take the trash? You know, when you see the bag fill up, can you just kind of like wrap it up and take it out there and put a new bag in? You know, you guys can relate to that. So, and then it doesn't happen. So what, what do you do? Well, I'm not saying to ignore something like that. So like if you say, as a parent, say, please do this, and your child doesn't do that, you let them know, I asked you to do that, and you didn't do it, please do it, okay? So that's what you would do in that case. But if you continue and say, you never do this, and you never do that, and you always do this, and you always do that, and you're worthless, and you're stupid, and I grew up that way, that's the way my father talked to me. That is what I'm talking about. So it's not like we don't discipline our children, and we don't... Uh, call them out you know if they don't do what we ask we bring it up to them but to start talking contrary and to start saying things to our children that is not in line with the gospel or good news there's no power in that that will not change our children for very it won't do much good for them okay so uh telling people what they do wrong bad behavior pointing out their faults None of those things change them. Okay, so let's move on and let's then talk about that. Let's talk about what gospel power can do. Okay, so we're just talking about three things today. This is the second one. What, what can gospel power do? Okay, so gospel power we see in Romans chapter 16. You know, it's more than a history lesson. It's just not a touching story. But in Romans 16 and verse 25, it says, now to him, and notice that I... I made that word him bold and plus underline it because now to him he is the one who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel that's all we're going to read right now we're going to come back to that scripture but notice that it's to him you can't strengthen yourself and let's talk about let's say this about that word real quick the word strengthen it's used 13 times in the new testament only 13 times. Nine times it is translated establish. So we could also read, now to him who is able to establish you. Okay, 
two times it was two times it's the word strengthen one time it is the word set and one time it is the word fix so with that in mind you know the the word is mainly used as established so we could say that to him who is able to establish you we can't establish ourselves we can't strengthen ourselves our flesh is not powerful enough to establish us our willpower is not powerful enough to establish us our intelligence is not powerful enough to establish us in Christ so you can get training and I and I witness it all the time there's a lot of very intelligent people in the world and their education and skill set enable them to hold down a job consistently and make good money that's out there for work and so there's many people that do that but if we want to be established in Christ our education isn't powerful enough to do that now Bible education is and Bible revelation knowledge is but our education is not powerful enough to do that kind of establishing because here's why you know I spent a little time in the hospital as some of you know way back in October and I saw that the people that took care of me they are human beings the doctors that were way more educated than me and that did procedures that were way beyond anything I could understand that knew all kind of stuff that I didn't know they are still people and they still deal with their emotions they still have emotions to deal with they still have to have the right beliefs in their life they just their education as a doctor doesn't give them the right beliefs uh, as far as to help them with their their like Christianity okay so when we're talking about being established I'm talking about being established in Christ because being established in Christ changes everything so let's look at this look, let's look at this uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 uh, look what it says here this word uh, establish or strengthen let's look at it in another scripture it says now when the days drew near for him to be taken up Jesus set out resolutely to go to Jerusalem those three words set out resolutely that's what the translators decided to do with that same word establish that Greek word so why is why why, why do I want to look at that because here's why we know when Jesus sets out to do something he's going to do it he's serious about it did any how many watched the movie you know that Mel Gibson did uh, on Jesus and the thing that touched me about that movie is Jesus knew that he had to die for us and he could hardly walk but something made him get up and he kept trudging toward the top of Golgotha Hill uh, to, to get, die on a cross he just kept going for it that's the thing that I got touched most of he was possessed with dying for us so we could be freed from our sins he was set to do it so that's that word you know set out resolutely that's that's a strong word okay so thinking about that now so to him that is able to get us set resolutely that we can we can get so set in our Christianity that we don't have that kind of up and down roller coaster life it's a new kind of life our emotions don't have to rule us our, and everything that the emotions produce like anger all of those kind of things we don't have to let those kind of things rule us okay so you know 
complaining. You know, our flesh likes to complain, okay? Our flesh likes to say the wrong things. You know, we like to do the wrong, the flesh likes to do the wrong thing. That's the way that the flesh is. And there's not enough power in our intelligence or flesh to take care of the flesh, all right? So this is what we want to look at. Uh, in our, in our, our emotions, all of those things, they just like to run wild. So here's what, what I want to get across here. The gospel is powerful enough to cause us to have emotional stability. The gospel is powerful enough to get us set where we don't have a life that goes up and down, okay? So, you know, we can take our choice. Now, if I was you, if you have to take medications for uh, emotional things, that's okay. But here's what I would do if I was you. Every time you take your medication to keep your emotions right, say a Bible scripture along those lines. Because you do the same thing with sickness. You know, you, you, I, I don't know if you brought that up uh, on a Friday night, but like with sickness, like the, the doctors are fighting the same devil in the same thing that God takes care of. So uh, I, I appreciate Kenneth Hagin because he always had a high respect for doctors. He said they're fighting the same devil and the same sickness that we're fighting as Christians. And so Brother Hagen would send people to the doctor because, you know, and I should have listened to him because that's why I ended up in the hospital, but I never listened to that part. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not perfect. But nonetheless, he would send people to the doctor and he would say, get checked and let the doctor give you, what's, let him tell you what's wrong. And then if you need medication, now this is in America, everything here is a lot more affordable but Brother Hagen used to buy people medication because it was so expensive in America. And he said, now you, you can take that medication, but every time you take it, you, you say what the Bible says. And when your body gets healed, you'll throw the medicine away. So it's not like you throw the medicine away first. It's okay to take it. So if you're taking medication uh, to, for anything with your mind, take it. But just don't make the medication your savior are your source because it'll, if you keep saying what the bible says about that there'll come a day that you can throw that medication away because healing will manifest in your body okay so so that so that's what i'm talking about there's so much power in the gospel that it will make us stable emotionally we can have emotional stability because of the gospel okay and healing physical healing in our body okay now let's look at another fit uh, here let's look at this next verse and look at this now i like to look at this so now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of jesus christ look at this according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages so now we get a little more insight here uh it's according to the gospel and notice that he says my gospel and why did Paul say my gospel? Well, you can see that Peter, he wrote some of the epistles, and Peter in one of his epistles said that the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. And why was that? Because Paul got taken up, and that's why Peter said that about Paul's epistles, he got taken up and Jesus gave him revelation knowledge that Peter didn't have. 
And so that's what we call the Pauline epistles. So all the epistles that Paul write, wrote, it has revelation knowledge that Peter didn't have. So Peter said, what you write is kind of hard to understand. And why is that? Because Paul is the one that got the revelation knowledge about who we are in Christ. So they call it the Pauline epistles. And so he said that you can be strengthened, like God will strengthen you according to my gospel. What is he saying? Well, the Pauline epistles and the revelation knowledge in those epistles have so much power in them that they'll radically change your life. Radically. All right? So, he says, according to the revelation of that mystery. Okay? And so what, what is, you know, that mystery? Well, it's really simple. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And then part of that mystery is that we died with Christ, we were raised with Christ, and we're seated with Christ. So Christ in us, the hope of glory, we died with Christ, we were raised with him, and we were seated with him. That is the mystery that has been kept secret for a long time. If the devil, the Bible even tells us, if the devil knew that, he would not cr have crucified the Lord of glory because he thought, the devil thought he was doing something great when he influenced people to kill Jesus. But God, get this, you know, in, the devil's up in heaven and his name was Lucifer, Lucifer. He was one of the three archangels of heaven. He got cast down from heaven because of rebellion. He actually was up with God. He knew a lot of stuff. God is so intelligent and wise that he faked the devil out. The devil didn't know what he was doing. He tricked the devil, and the devil killed Jesus, and that was God's plan all along because God knew when his son was killed and he became sin and went to hell and was raised, God was able to get back on the inside of us again, and we were going to have the mystery, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We were going to have that happen in our lives. Glory to God. So God, God did all that. He orchestrated all that, and the devil didn't even know what was going on. So that was, that's the mystery. So what do we want to do now? We want to do this. We want to look at the next thing. How, do, how, do, how can we experience gospel power? So today, you know, we're getting ready to close, but look at these two things. How do we experience gospel power? Number one, and we're look at this, realize we have a new identity. And number two, we want to find our new identity. All right, so with that in mind, let's look at the first one, and that's realizing that we have a new identity. Now, so we want to say some practical things about that. So, you know, if anybody that teaches, and, and we all do this, if I'm teaching on the subject of healing, it's the most important thing. If you're teaching on righteousness, we all do that. We emphasize and we think what we're teaching, and really the whole Bible's important, but you, you know, you get fervent. When you study something out, you get fervent about it, and it becomes really important to you because you put a lot of time in studying it. So we can do that with the Bible now, and we could say that, you could actually say this about the Bible, the Bible was about two men, if we want to look at it. It was about the first Adam and the last Adam. It was about the first Adam who sinned, and it, it was about the last Adam who redeemed us from sin. That's another way you can look at the Bible, about two men, okay? So with that in mind, we could say this, our first, our first birth, when we were all born naturally with our natural mother, that put us in Adam. But then when we confess Jesus as our Lord, that puts us in Christ. Okay, so if we want to say that about the Bible, it's about two men. The first Adam and the last Adam, it's about two births. The, 
the natural birth and the new birth. We could actually look at the Bible that way. So I always like to say there's only two kinds of people in the world, those that are not Christians and those that are. Those that are born again and those that are not. I mean, so I know we say, well, there's Aussies and there's uh, Canadians and Americans and uh, Chinese and there's Asians and there's Indians and, and, and there's Sri Lankans and, you know, there's Germans, there's Europeans. I know, I know we could say that, but really there's really only two kinds of people, born again and not born again. And it's, an, it's the new nation, you know, it's the new nation. Did you, there was a, that just reminded me of this funny, it was, it was a movie of, with Rocky Sylvester Stallone many years ago, and, and, uh, and there was like a crazy guy killing everybody, and he said, it's the new, it's the new world, man. <laughs> that, that was a, that was, I can't remember the name of that movie, but it was, it, he had some good lines in it, like, the guy's in, the, this crazy guy's gonna blow up a grocery store, and, and Sylvester Stallone goes in there, and, and the guy says, he says, I'll blow the place up, man. And, so, and, and Rocky goes, Sylvester Stallone goes, go on, I don't shop here. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, he, and, and so the guy said something else. He said, I'm this. And he said, it's the new world, man. And, 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 and Sylvester Stallone goes, you're a disease, and I'm the cure. So anyway, sin, <laughs> sin was a disease, and Jesus is the cure, okay? But, uh, <laughs> so uh, your, our identity in Adam ends when we come into Christ. So we had this identity that was in Adam, okay, but now we come into Christ. So look at this scripture 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we've been singing this, and our songs, are, you know, our songs that are sung express this. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So we've been singing these songs. So here's some thoughts. Adam brought sin into the world, okay? But the Bible says Jesus took sin away. He took the sin of the world, all right? So there's the birth into Adam, which is sin, but then there's the birth into Jesus, which is the removing of sin. So we could say this, in Adam, we are subject to sin, but in Christ, we are freed from sin. So, like, practically speaking, how can we apply that? Okay, well, here's a way, you know, you guys know from some of my stories that I grew up in a rough family, and uh, so, you know, we did some crazy things, my brothers and I, then we got saved okay and so we were all into kind of different things so my brother joe was into beating up people and he was a crook my brother mike was into beating up people but he was a drug he sold drugs i really wasn't into beating up people i was just into the discotheques and music and that kind of stuff I, but you know i could beat somebody up if necessary <laughs> for survival in the discotheques but you know there were times that you had to survive in those places, believe me. Had to fight a few times. But, uh, but here's the thing. So we got saved, and we're all sitting around the table, 
and what we did, we didn't realize it, but we were identifying more with our old identity, and we were really not identifying with our new identity. So we, and so my parents, we're at the table now, and we're Christians, and my parents are glad, but then we would start telling them, oh, we did this, and they go, you what? And we did that, and you what? We didn't raise you, we didn't bring you up that way, and, and they were just appalled at all the different things, but it was, it was almost getting to be like fun talking about our past, we were identifying, and here's what you find out. The more you talk about your past and identify with the, your old identity, that's the biggest thing in your life, and you'll probably start acting like that again. But the more you talk about your new identity and who you are in Christ, that's what you identify as, and you'll find yourself acting like that. Okay, so, this is, so in Adam, here's another thing, we are flesh-ruled, but in Christ we are spirit-led. But if you talk about what your flesh wants to do and you talk about and and you say, well, I'm struggling, I'm just, it, it, this Christianity's tough and I'm, it's a struggle and I'm always struggling, don't talk that way. Christianity is a fight. But instead of saying that, why not say, I have Christ in me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why not say that? Why do we have to say we're struggling? And why do, we, you know, and I understand because I grew up in a, in a rough background and, you know, as a matter of fact, when we first got saved, you know, we start going to our first church and uh, we found out that I was very disciplined in the area of bodybuilding and, and, and in the area of those kind of things. And, and so because of that, and, and I guess another thing, our family, we were very hard workers. So my father did do one thing. He made us, uh, he brought us up to work hard. So when we start hanging around Christians, we go home and we say, boy, you know, they, they seem like they're lazy. And, you know, we, we start thinking things about that, you know, it was wrong to talk. It's, very, it's always wrong to murmur about your fellow brothers and sisters. It, that wasn't right, but we didn't know any better. But here's the thing. Your flesh wants to criticize and your flesh wants to analyze and our, and our flesh wants to critique and all those other things. But, you know, the more time we spend in the flesh and give place to the flesh, actually we go back to our old identity. Okay, I remember that Kenneth Hagin, when he pastored a church, I'd rather do it this way, he said we had problems in our church. Every church has problems. He said, but our children thought everybody in the church were angels. He goes, because we never said a bad word around our table about anybody in the church. In our kids' minds, they thought everybody was an angel. I'd, I'd rather live that way than live the other way. Okay? And so that's a, thing, that's a good thing to do with your brothers and sisters. When you're home, don't make sitting around the table a time to talk about a fellow christian or anything like that see that's what the flesh wants to do so what we're talking about is a change here the gospel's powerful enough to change that let's look at another scripture and i'm aware of the time second i mean galatians 2 and verse 20 it says i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me so this part of the gospel this revelation that we're talking about that christ in us the hope of glory and then what is it that we died with him, we were buried with him, and we rose? So without being real theological, here's the thing that the gospel, this mystery, this revelation, that when it opens up to us and we understand it and we actually see it, we think, whoa, like I, I was crucified with Christ, I died with him, and I was buried. So here's the thing, our flesh and the old man, that identity in Adam, it, we, we, we died with him, it's dead. Okay, so the more we talk about it and make a big deal out of it, 
the, the less we're allowing it to be dead, okay? So no matter how you were before you accepted Jesus, don't think that's so cool. Like my brother Joe used to love to fight, but he doesn't want to fight any longer. He doesn't think it's cool to fight, and he loved to fight. You know, what, what's so great about that, you know? So, so it's, it's a letting go. It's like it's a revelation understanding that when Jesus died, when you confess him and he becomes your Lord, you died with him and you were buried with him. The old man died, okay? The old man was buried. And then what is it? We were risen with him. Now we're alive in him. So that's what he's saying. He said, I was crucified. That's the revelation that was hid. I was crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ is in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's that revelation and understanding. Let's, let's go on to one last thing here, and that's this. Find our new identity. Okay, so how can we do that? And, and, and the, these two scriptures helped us. Look at this, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you, before your eyes, Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. Galatia was pretty far away from Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. There's no way they could have seen it with their own natural eye. Look at this scripture. It's the same one, different translation. It says, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. See, the gospel is so powerful, it will paint pictures to us. It'll, it'll, it, it makes things so clear, okay? So it, it's clear. When I heard about Jesus, uh, I went to the Bible study, and they start telling me about Jesus. I'm not kidding you. When they told me about Jesus and that you must be born again and everything, they told me how he was put on a cross, and I kid you not, I saw it. I saw a picture of Jesus on a cross. Now, I was in church every single weekend on the front row with my parents, and in the church that I grew up in, they've had crucifix and a cross. And I looked at him on the cross, and it did nothing for me. I never, was, I never became born again, ever. There was no, no Bible preached in that church. How can you get born again if the Bible isn't preached? But I saw him on a crucifix, and it never meant a thing to me. Somebody gave a scripture about the gospel, and I saw a picture of Jesus on a, in, in my heart on the cross. That's when I started to believe. That started to do something in my heart. Do you see what I'm saying? The Bible and the, the gospel will paint pictures. And here's the thing. If you can see it, you can have it. If you can see it, you can have it. All right? So, look at this, James 1, 20, James 1 and 23, look at that. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he, look, what he looks like. So we're talking about like finding this identity. Well, here's what we start seeing here, that uh, doing the word is a big thing okay so we do a lot of teaching and preaching but it's actually the doers of the word are blessed so look at this next verse 
but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So there is a hearing, of course, and an understanding of the word, but then there is also a doing of the word. The best way to, to not forget the word is to do it. I mean, as fast as we do it, it's, it's, we're better off for that. But also notice, too, that it's a continual. So it's kind of like when you keep looking into the perfect law of liberty, you get a reflection, like it talks about a mirror. And you, what, what happens is when you look into his perfect law, you get like this reflection, and what you see is you start seeing yourself in Christ. You get that reflection of who you are in Christ. So it's like you're getting, now you're not getting a reflection of who you are in Adam, but you're getting the reflection of who you are in Christ. And when you see that and get that reflection, when you start seeing it, you'll start acting that way. You'll believe it, and you'll act it. Okay, that's what we see. So, so you know, this is something that we could go on forever, but we have to end. Here's, here's a, a last uh, something here. Look at this. A continual looking and doing of the Word of God will ensure we won't forget what we heard. So there's something about looking into it and doing it that cements it and helps us not to forget it, okay? Here's another thing. We only possess as much freedom as we see and do in the gospel. We only will possess that, you know. Like in the Old Testament, he said, wherever your feet walk, you can have it. Well, in the New Testament, it's not so much that way. In the New Testament, it's kind of like whatever revelation, the, when, you have, when you get an understanding and a revelation, if you see it, you can have it. So you see yourself in Christ, and it's, that's, where, that's, where, that's where the power is. That's the power of the gospel when we start seeing ourselves in Christ. So just to, to remind us again one last time, you don't need more power, you need more gospel. And that's all we have time to do today. I'll tell you, if you want more on it, Paul's System of Truth, my brother-in-law Mark Hankins, there's a big thick book on it. It's called Paul's System of Truth. Uh, and then we have Brother Hagen has Paul's Revelation, a little mini book, Paul's Revelation. That's very affordable for anybody. And then in him, Kenneth Hagen, all the scriptures about who you are in Christ. Because I wish I could go on longer, but we just don't have enough time on a Sunday morning. And then this here book, you can have what you say, Kenneth Hagen. Those books can help you further. Father, thank you so much. I thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for this time together in your word. Father, it's such a heart's desire that uh, everyone will be uh, victorious in their Christian walks. Father, I just pray that everyone will become Jesus-focused. Everyone, that they understand that we are focused on who we are in Christ, so we're not focusing on our flesh, we're not focusing on our intelligence, we're not focusing on who we were in Adam, our past, but Lord, that we focus on our future, and that's in Christ. So Father, thank you that you burn this into people's hearts, and that they're reminded to not celebrate their past, but to celebrate their future, I ask that. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at churchatrhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, 
Or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website, arema.org.au.